homies. This is episode three of the NFL 2023 season preview. We are focusing on both the South divisions and their respective conferences, which I argue are the two lousiest conference or two lousiest divisions in both the conferences. I got the AFC South and the NFC South today. Obviously, I got the homie Dan Z here to help me break it down. Dan, we're going to start in the AFC South today. The Jacksonville, or yeah, in the AFC South today, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the uh, reigning AFC South champions. They eked past Tennessee Titans by beating them in Week 18. They won the division with a nine and eight record in Doug Peterson's first year. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's second year as a starter um, in Jacksonville. Do you think the Jaguars are going to go back to back this year? No. Okay. So the Tennessee Titans, they no, I'm just kidding. All right, what are your what are your, some of your thoughts about the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, I'm a little they spent the most uh money in free agency last season and then they pretty much spent no money in free agency this season. So that's cause of concern. And then when you kind of peel through some of their wins and losses last year, you could say they were on the fortunate side of when they played their uh, opponents that they beat. But what are some of the reasons why you're hesitant to back the Jaguars in this division? Yeah, I mean, it pretty much goes along with my theory about the NFL in general is, you know, fade what you saw most recently and fade what everybody else thinks. Uh, I see the Jacksonville, I see the Jags as a very trendy team. I see Tennessee as a team that's just being absolutely ignored. Um, there's a reason that Tennessee was the class of this division for several years. They had a rough year last year, but Tannehill was hurt. Um, you know, they really lacked weapons on offense outside of Derrick Henry. And they missed A.J. Brown badly. So, you know, they at least went out and tried to rectify that situation at least a little bit by by signing DeAndre Hopkins. I just think Tennessee is a better team. I, I really do. I think it's going to take some time. You know, like you said, Jacksonville didn't spend a lot in free agency. They had a ton of draft picks. They just all happened to be late in the draft. They picked, what is it, 10 times from round four and on. And that's great. That's a great way to build a team and build depth. But those aren't guys who are going to have a ton of impact this season. I think Jacksonville was a little bit fortunate last year. Um, I think Doug Peterson is a, is a good NFL coach. But... So is Mike Vrabel, and I, I'm going to stick with the team that has the veteran quarterback that we know what he can do. Tannehill may not have the most success in the playoffs, but he's pretty darn good at getting to the playoffs uh, up until he got hurt last year. And I think they would have made the playoffs if Tannehill didn't get hurt. So I look forward to a, a healthy lot-to-prove season out of Tannehill with DeAndre Hopkins, and I trust Mike Vrabel, and I like the Titans to win this division. Um, I'm going to circle back on the Titans because I do agree with you that right now they're plus 350 to win the AFC South, which is just a number that That's I love. That's absurd. Right. That's absurd. It's right. absolutely absurd. At the beginning of the offseason, I was like kind of all aboard the Jaguars hype train. I saw them at minus 150 to win the AFC South. I think it's up to minus 155 now and saw really no issues with that number. And then I dug a little deeper um, preparing for this podcast in the AFC South. I actually like the Houston Texans roster. Obviously, we'll talk about them in a few minutes. And I think the Tennessee Titans have a bounce back year as well. Um, I did make a bet for Trevor Lawrence to win the NFL MVP at plus 1,500. 
because he is right around, um, I think eighth by the odds, and I think he's a I top five quarterback. Wait, that that numbers. I just don't see the value in that. You got to explain how fifteen to one for Trevor Lawrence is a value. I struggle with that. I I'm not feel... saying he can't win MVP, but I don't think. I mean, fifteen to one puts him at what, like five percent chance of doing it, something like that, six percent chance. I'd have to look it up. Hold on. That seems very high to me that he would be like have a six percent chance of winning the MVP with everybody else that's out there. Eighth, you said, eighth lowest odds, shortest odds. Um, it was six point three percent win probability, and he has six. the he's tied for the sixth best odds. Sixth best. Yes. Yeah. Yep. With Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar is way more likely to win MVP than Trevor Lawrence. Well, I think if the Jaguars make good on this, on them being the favorite to win the AFC South, they're going to need a hell of a season out of Trevor Lawrence because I don't think he has as much support the as the as we, the market we, suggests. We talked about this uh, last week, and I think it's important that when it when it comes to voting for these awards, narratives do matter. We could pretend they don't, but they do. And unfortunately, winning the AFC South, I don't feel like people view as like a major accomplishment. They would pretty much have to go like they'd have to, you know, going ten and seven and winning the AFC South. That ain't getting it done. Like in order for Trevor Lawrence to win MVP, Jacksonville would have to massively exceed their expectations, which are already kind of high for a team that I don't think they should be as high as they are. So like. They'd pretty much have to win like twelve or thirteen games, probably. Yeah. So I guess that's what you're betting on is Jacksonville winning twelve or thirteen games, and I, I I guess I have a hard time with that. Truth be told, I feel not as strong about this bet as when I first wrote it up a few months ago. Um, you know, the NFL offseason is getting longer and longer the older that I get. <laughs> I've missed NFL football so much, and I guess I'm I'm kind of making excuses for having to create content in the non-football season. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the saying, the idle mind is a devil's playground. I just had time to think, and I was like, hey, I think Trevor Lawrence is a top five quarterback. He, I think at the time, had the seventh best odds, whatever, sixth best now, and I talked myself into – 700 words of that but to your point the Jaguars do do need to go r- roughly 12 and 5 for him to be uh MVP finalist and how he ended last season following the bye which was fucking spectacular needs to carry very over this to, season very similar to Detroit winnable division great mm-hmm. great ending to last year has put them ahead of where I think they should be relative to expectations. Very simple. Plus, like you pointed this out last week, which is like everyone's always looking for who's that team that didn't make the playoffs or didn't win the division last year who's going to do it this year, although the Jags actually did technically win the division, although it was like a – that was more of a who doesn't want to win the division type of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But whereas people see the Vikings as very – vulnerable they see the titans as vulnerable too and i think i'm just more bullish on both of those i see minnesota and tennessee very similarly in that i think i'm higher on Tannehill and cousins than the market and maybe that's why i'm higher on both teams uh than the market and i think i mean i think the market's in on Vrabel, but i, I think i'm higher on o'connell but I, I think overall i'm higher on both coaches and both teams than the market and maybe maybe that's blinding me 
I think that's a great analogy. Jags and Titans are very similar to the Lions and Vikings. Although, very. to your point, yeah, the Vikings won the division last year and the Titans lost it after back-to-back uh, AFC South winning um, stints or, or uh, years, 21-22. Um, no, you make a lot of good points. Um, I, I, do, I guess Lawrence's path to MVP again would be uh, AFC South division title, twelve and five record, forty touchdowns, um, probably seven or eight interceptions or less. And as a as a division winner last year, like they've got a first place schedule. Like they have to play Kansas City this year. Yep. Uh, they have to play Buffalo this year. The they are playing the AFC North, the hardest division to play against easily. Um, they play San Francisco this year like it's a brutal schedule for an afc south team that gets to play the colts and the texans four times yeah um as i wrote they do get a good start though with houston and atlanta and uh sorry colts texans falcons are three of their first four games outside of the matchup against the chiefs which is a disaster for them so i think the chiefs are going to absolutely just rub their face in the dirt yeah, I think they're going to throw punch the Colts in week one. I We're going to talk about them. I kind of like the Texans roster. I squint really hard at it for hours. I was like, you know what? They're better than the Colts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't like the Falcons. So I, I'm with you. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to start off pretty good. And even though they have a first-place schedule, it is pr- it is pretty winnable. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not that hard of a schedule. Um, but I... I you, really? Yeah. I mean, they play the AFC South. They play NFC the... AFC South. Oh, okay. AFC yeah, South. The, and the NFC South. Right. I was getting there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean... I, don't, I think that's balanced out by playing the AFC North, and I, I really think having to throw in both Kansas City, uh, the trio of Kansas City, Buffalo, and San Francisco is a major deciding fact. Because remember, Tennessee is going to play essentially the same schedule, except they don't have to play Buffalo, Kansas City, or San Francisco. Okay, well then let's just start talking about the Tennessee Titans, even though you pretty much uh, gave out your uh, no, well, I don't I don't know, you your whole se- analysis. I don't think you can separate them. Like I think the discussion about these teams revolves around each other. No, look, that's the true. AFC South is the AFC South, which is generally speaking, one team from that division is going to make the playoffs, and that's it. I will right? say like, this. We can agree though, with that. I will say this though. From a time code perspective, I have to separate these teams. <laughs> all right, that's super inside baseball. <laughs> all right, all right, but no, it's uh, the Tennessee Titans, a seven and two last year, and it was right, crazy. On the time we shifted officially to the Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they had a season from hell last year. I mean, they were so banged up around the uh, on defense, on the offensive line. It was. I remember going on hot mic. And talking about the, the 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 Texans against the Titans, and obviously that's a they're they're out there in Nashville and are pretty um, connected to the Tennessee Titans franchise. And like Chad and 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 John um, were were pretty much like laughing at me when I gave out the Texans or the Titans, even though they had Malik Willis. And I was just like, hey, I believe in Mike Vrabel, and the Texans are terrible. And the Texans ended up beating them. Um, so they, yeah, they like saw that. the writing on the wall, and just the, the Titans got injured past the point of any return last year. And, in fact, they were third in adjusted games lost last year. 
Um, but what I wrote in my, my little AFC South betting syllabus uh, that I posted to Outkick earlier this morning is just I, I think Lawrence is the best quarterback in the division. I think the there's a toss-up between Peterson and, and Vrabel as coach, but I, I'll give Jacksonville the edge at coach and quarterback combo, but I don't think that gap is big enough to make up for all the other advantages the Titans have. I Maybe I'm spending too much time on pro football focus, but I love the Titans' defense, right? If healthy, like their defensive line is sick between that guy Tart, Arden Key had a great year, granted for San Francisco 49ers. Um um, Jeffrey Simmons was awesome. Danico Autry is a very good pro. He dealt with injuries last year. So if they get all these guys back and healthy, I think their defense has top five potential and a top fifteen or a top fifteen floor. Um, also, Ryan Tannehill, I'm total in total agreement with you, Dan, that me and you are both higher on Tannehill than the market. I keep hearing people say or insinuate that he's effectively what are his MVP odds because I don't hate Tannehill if he's at like seventy or eighty to one. Oh, it would, it would have to be lower than that. I would think. I'm, I actually am on the page. It's a hundred to one. He is tied with Sam Howell, Justin Jefferson, <laughs> Cooper Cup, who both the Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson to me are much better MVP candidates than Sam Howell. Like, I, yeah, I don't absolutely think that's no way. It's Sam Howell. Tannehill should not be equal to Sam Howell. I think that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Um, because again, talk about expectations. Like the expectations for the Titans are kind of low. Yeah. And I think they could easily win 12 games, but, uh, yeah, I think that's an, I think double digits wins. I, I have them finishing 10 and seven this year and winning the, uh, AFC South, but 11 or 12 wins are, are out of the question. I mean, they're running it back with the team that was a one seed in the AFC two years ago. And people expect Derek the wheels to fall off for Derrick Henry, but he's still under the age of 30. 30 is that kind of like that, that number where running backs are expected to fall off a cliff, and maybe that happens. I actually think Henry's kind of an outlier and will play well until maybe 31, 32. We'll see. Either way, I mean, he ran for 1,500 yards last year, 10-plus touchdowns, led the NFL in carries, and I don't see why that's going to be any different this year, to be honest. And going back to Tannehill being a game manager, he's 36-19 and 19 as a starter in Tennessee. He's played five playoff games. Like, that's not a bullshit resume. Um, this website, runningbacksdontmatter.com, they have him as the third um, – highest EPA plus completion percentage over expectation since he became the starting quarterback. He's only behind one number, uh, Patrick Mahomes and number two, Drew Brees. So, you know, EPA per play added, that's essentially scoring, making scoring plays and completion percentage over expectations, essentially throwing guys open. That stat is a no bullshit stat in my opinion. And it kind of backs up like, Tannehill being better than just a game manager. In 2020, he led the NFL in game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks. He's got 20 rushing TDs since 2019. I mean, he's a an awesome quarterback. And I think the biggest weakness of Tennessee is the fact that he, he's probably average to a below-average quarterback in the AFC. But that's more just 
saying how stacked the AFC is than than really talking shit on Ryan Tannehill. And well, he's in the right division too. I mean, if you had to compare him to say Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Kenny Pickett, and Deshaun Watson, it would look a lot worse than going against two rookies and Trevor Lawrence. Um, I know you're a awesome fantasy football player. Did you win our league last year? Yes. Damn, dude. Yeah, I know you kill it in fantasy football. Um, I had my fantasy football draft this weekend, and I'm very interested in your thoughts on this. I took DeAndre Hopkins with the with the in my th- in the third round. Um, maybe it was a little people, high. I hate when people I hate when people do this because like I can't possibly grade that without knowing a lot of information. I understand, but just go just give me what you think about DeAndre Hopkins. Because I still think I, there's more left in the tank, obviously. Yeah, I I, I don't hate it. I think uh, Tannehill is actually a good match for Hopkins because one thing that people don't realize about Ryan Tannehill is that he's actually one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's a very underrated skill of his. Uh, he throws the ball really well outside the numbers and down the field. He has a strong arm, and he, he puts the ball generally where it needs to be. And I think the pairing of him... And the style of Hopkins uh, probably works really well, so I don't hate it. But again, it, that that's without seeing. I would need to know your scoring system, how many teams, who sure. were, who who was on the board when you took him. Like I can't can't possibly give too many thoughts on it. But I, I mean, you know, he should have eleven hundred yards, maybe ten touchdowns. I mean, he should have a really good year. Yeah. The. The uh, the shit that was hurled my way after I made that pick was the fact that he's on the opposite side of 30. How he really didn't have that good of a year last year, which is frankly inaccurate. And it's yeah. just kind of the expectation that like... Well, let's see. I mean, yeah, it's, it's there's an injury risk, obviously. He's only played 19 games combined in the last two seasons. So that's a concern. Sure. That's yeah. basically one full season over the last two seasons. So yeah. not ideal. Last time he was healthy, though, he put up 1,400 yards with Kyler Murray. Yeah. Last and year. Tannehill's he... better than Kyler Murray. Agreed. Last year he was on pace for 120 catches, 1,300 plus yards, only five receiving TDs, but he only played three games at Kyler Murray. He was suspended for the first six and was out with, and I quote, an injury in weeks 17 and 18. I think he would have played had the Cardinals had anything to play for, but who knows, right? So and look, he's out there trying to put supplements in his body to stay youthful, stay yeah. stay ready. Like I view that as a positive, not a negative. That is exactly what I said. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. And the argument is like, I mean, clearly he still cares. Right, right. And I mean, he went for the money instead of taking a team friendly deal to play at the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think he still has confidence that he could he could be a difference maker out there. And frankly, I do too. And, you know, I think Traylon Burks is a is an exciting a young wide receiver. Um, I think he's like an 80% version of A.J. Brown. And if D-Hop is still good, they can have a solid little receiving core. That, that tight end whose name I'm not even going to try because I'll butcher it has a really good grade on PFF. And again, Derrick Henry top five running back in the game. So I already talked to you guys about how 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 high I am on, on Tennessee's defense, and I do think their offense, there's a role that they're the best in the AFC South. So 
My best bet probably in this entire podcast is the Titans and win the AFC South at plus 350. I, I think they get it done. Um, but let's move over to the Indianapolis Colts, who I think are going to be an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, I talked about them being the punching bag in the AFC South and just the NFL this year. Um, I gave out their alternate win total of four and a half, under four and a half at 350. I think they end up finishing uh, plus 350. I, up, I think they end up finishing like three and 14 this division. I'm not an Anthony Richardson guy, but I'll concede that the idea is that he could be Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen in a few years. However, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen sucked for the first couple of years before he they were developed. Um, Shane Steichen is like whatever is a complete mystery. The new head coach of the Colts. I don't. I don't have really any opinion on him. I mean, yeah, he 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 did well at the Philadelphia Eagles last year as their offensive coordinator, but a team was absolutely loaded, um, and they had an offensive-minded head coach in the first place. So I'm just really down on the Indianapolis Colts. They were 4-12-1 last year, and I don't trust this organization to hire a new coach, draft a, div- uh, a project quarterback, and get more wins in the next year. So I'm just down on the Indianapolis Colts. There's usually epically bad teams. I know the, the win totals are usually in between like six and a half to ten and a half, but teams win three games every year. It happens, and I think this is going to be a team that wins, you know, less than four games. Obviously, so that's where I'm at. What are you, what are some of your your thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, I pretty much agree with all that. Learning curve with a first time head coach, first time rookie quarterback. Uh, it should be. It's going to be pretty brutal, I would say. They've got drama with Jonathan Taylor. Who knows if he's going to play for them, not play for them, get traded. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a great locker room. doesn't seem to be a great organization. And they've got a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we need to spend a ton of time breaking down the Colts. Yeah, we're aligning all that. And we could talk about the how less important the running back position is in the modern NFL, but the Colts need Jonathan Taylor and they need him to be good. And that's, that's the fact of the matter. And when you start like looking under the hood or not even looking under the hood, just looking at the basic numbers for Anthony Richardson in college, he wasn't really that good. Like He, he really wasn't. I mean, he, he didn't do shit against Georgia. He didn't do shit against Alabama. And you say, well, he was mismatched by the, uh, against those teams. Like, yeah, well, I mean, you're the fourth pick in the draft to a four win team. Like you're going to be mismatched. Like you gotta, you gotta, you're going to have to raise your game and, 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 and carry your team to some victories. And I just don't see him as a guy to do it, at least in his rookie year. Now I'm no, and I don't like their, I don't like their receiving core at all. I think it's massively overrated. I think Michael Pittman is average at best. Alec Pierce got, all kinds of weird mm-hmm. buzz for a hot minute, but like Isaiah McKenzie as your th- like, I, they, they don't have a tight like they have nothing. Like there's just they, they have nothing. Anthony yeah. Richardson's gonna have to win games, and he might do some crazy things with his legs, but he's gonna turn the ball over, which is gonna be a disaster for them. And yeah, I just I'm looking for some positives here. I mean, again, they, they kind of did the same thing Jacksonville did. Like, they're building it the right way. They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They had nine picks between rounds – eight picks in rounds four through six. 
two in round four, two in round six, four in round five. So they stacked up draft picks, which is smart. It's a young team that is going to need uh, some time. Hopefully they give their coach some time because he's going to need it. But I don't think, you know, the expectations are kind of low for the Colts this year, which is weirdly kind of the situation you want to come into as a rookie head coach. Like, I don't think anyone expects you to do anything. So when they suck, it won't be that big of a deal. Yeah. No, I think you nailed it. There's not a reason to spend a lot of time on this team because we both think they're going to be bad. Um, and I think we laid out the reasons um, why pretty pretty succinctly and well. So we can move on to the Houston Texans, um, who I'm actually buying stock in. Um, I wouldn't hate taking their alt 7.5 uh, win total at plus 200. That's not my favorite bet in this um, for this team, though. I do it. I do have them going eight and nine. Again, that's not a number I'm going to bet, but um, they did take some sharp money on their win total. It opened at five and a half. Now it's up to six and a half with the under juice, albeit um, still massive underdogs uh, or the the worst odds to win the Super Bowl, worst odds to win the AFC, and eight to win the win, eight to one to win the AFC South. But as I wrote in the AFC South betting syllabus, this this could be worded better. I just have a good feeling about the coaching staff. I really do. I I, I think Domenico Ryan's um, is going to be a good coach. Most people, I I think you're going to kind of feel me on this. Maybe not, but whenever a bunch of people start saying the exact same thing, I look for reasons to fade it. Right reasons to argue about it. Me and you are kind of the same in that we're both argumentative cunts. We really are. We like that's pretty much the basis of our friendship is that we argue about sports all the time. So when I, the people start grabbing the torches and pitchforks, I'm not grabbing the torch and the pitchfork. I'm looking to see what's on the other side. <laughs> right. Um, and everyone's clowning the the Texans for trading up for Will Anderson. And I look at Will Anderson's college resume, and there is there is no fat on it. Absolutely zero. Two-time unanimous All-American. Two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He had 34 and a half sacks, 58 and a half tackles for a loss. If there was any defensive player you would trade up for in the draft, it would be this guy. And I like the, the, the yin and yang or the compromise between the coaching staff and the, the owner. The owner is like, yeah, we need a quarterback. You know, like we we haven't had a quarterback obviously since Deshaun Watson. There's no way you're going to win in this league without a quarterback. I think C.J. Stroud's the guy, and D'Amico Ryan's like, well, I think essentially, I think Will Anderson is a multiple-time Pro Bowler um, that could be a difference maker on defense. And whether he's right or wrong, we'll see. But I like the moxie. I like him trading up for that guy because I don't think this team's bad enough to where they would get the first or second pick in the draft next year. First pick is going to be Caleb Williams, but you know, second pick's probably going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. I didn't think they were going to be that bad anyway, so why not trade up and get a a, a defensive end or a pass rusher that has the the pedigree that Will Anderson has? I mean, I've I'm not a big college football fan, but I know Will Anderson's been a beast since he joined Alabama or since he went to uh, to Alabama. So I do. I, I am buying stock in this in this coaching staff. Um, D'Amico Ryan's brought Bobby Slowick with him. He's the um, offensive assistant at Shanahan. 
uh, coaching staff last year. I like the kids they have um, at wide receiver between John Mechie, uh, Tank Dell, and Xavier Hutchinson alongside um, Nico Collins, who was who pretty good. And I'm, I'm, there's another one. Oh, Robert Woods, who is a veteran, who I think could help the young wide receivers. Um, Laramie Tunzel is one of the best I don't tackles. like how aligned we are on this division. It makes me worried. Well, maybe we'll argue a lot in the NFC South. We're going to have to because – yeah, step I'm in here. What are you thinking? I'm, I'm looking through their schedule. I actually kind of like the strategy you proposed last week with the Texans, which is I think they're going to start one and three, and I think that might be a good time. I don't know if you can jump on win totals mid-season. You, you can, can now. Know. Yeah, it's like a new thing. Yeah, um, I, I have them starting one and three. I think they're going to lose to Baltimore. I think they're going to lose to Pittsburgh, and I think they're going to lose at Jacksonville. Um, I, I do think they'll beat Indianapolis. So I think they start one and three, but then they play the entire NFC South in a row, which is wild, by the way, with a bye week in between. It's possible that they could go from one and three to five and three. But even if you say they lose one of those games, I I, I see I see seven. I see seven. Yeah. But I think if they start one and three, taking them over six and a half might be the play. I wonder what those odds would be. Because you can you can you can bet stuff like that in today's beefed up sports betting um sports books. So if they were to go seven and ten, that would mean if they started one and three, they'd have to go well, they'd only have to go six and seven, I guess, the rest of the way. I don't they might get to eight. I can see them beating three out of four of the NFC South teams in that stretch. Uh, they'll probably lose one because they're Houston. They're not going to go on a four-game winning streak in the middle of the season, I don't think. But I, they could win three of those. So that puts them at so one and three to three and one. That puts them at four and four. Then they go to Cincinnati. They're going to lose to Cincinnati. That's four and five. Arizona, that's, that's a tricky one depending on Kyler's health. I mean, if he doesn't play, that's a – even if he does play, that's that's a winnable game for sure. So possibly five and five. Then they get Jacksonville at home, who at that point in the season they could probably beat. Maybe six and five. Denver, it's kind of a toss-up, but it's winnable. I don't mm-hmm. know that they'll win it, but it is winnable. And that could be like a sandwich spot for Denver where they play like Kansas City. They play another hard team. They're just overlooking Houston. That's a great point. I'd actually be curious about that. That might be – I wish – can you bet a future on that game right now? <laughs> um. Yeah, you can. It's actually it's not a huge sandwich. Well, they they play Cleveland the week before and the Chargers the week after. So, not Yeah, okay. Yeah. But they're anyway, definitely then, not circling the Houston Texans. Then they go to the Jets, then they go to Tennessee. It's a tough two-game stretch in December, uh, especially for an indoor team that then has to go outdoors in New York in December, outdoors Nashville in December. And they get Cleveland at home, who I definitely think they can beat. And they got Indianapolis one more time. Yeah, I I could see eight. I think a one and three Texans start, and then over seven and a half is a great bet. And I mean, we both just talked about how we think the Titans are going to win the division, but they play the Titans twice in three weeks, and it's tough to beat the same team in division twice in three weeks. And it depends where things stand at that point. I mean, you know, if Jacksonville flops this year, there's a potential that Tennessee is running away by the time week 17 rolls around. That's true too. Yeah. 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 We are pretty, um, um, 
we're on the same page here with a lot of this AFC South. So, yeah, I, I don't hate the alt win total at seven and a half plus two hundred, but I think your idea of getting it mid season makes a lot of sense too. I actually am going to take. I think I'm going to take them week one plus. They're up to nine and a half against Baltimore. Um, I, I the only thing I worry about there is just like that's CJ Stroud's first start in Baltimore. It's not a super easy place to play. You know you're getting a fully healthy Lamar Jackson. Oh, like they're going to be healthy Jackson Beckham. I almost feel like a blowout loss there is better for that's kind of why I like the idea of waiting. Okay. Um, yeah, my best bet in this, in this division though, or, um, for this team would be Will Anderson. Like I would consider taking Baltimore in a survivor in week one. I understand that, but man, I, I know you don't work on game theory early. That's not, that's not what you should be doing. But everyone's going to be taking Baltimore in week one. And like most of the market, they already have the betting splits for this on pre- pregame.com. I think like 80% of the money is on is on Baltimore right now. And I just, because I like, I, I think so highly of Houston's roster. Um, and I think the coaching staff can be good. And I think it, it could take time for Lamar to, to, to build a rapport with, with OBJ. And, I can't and wait till we do our. I can't wait till we do our week one pod. Like I already have so many thoughts. I'm just like looking at the week one schedule oh, right yeah, now. Me too, I just got kind of kind of sidetracked, and I'm like, all right, well, if not Baltimore, then who for Survivor? Because it's, I mean, that's the only game as far as I can see with a spread that's over a touchdown. I would, I would probably just take the Chiefs, dude. Like the I knew Chiefs. you were gonna say it. I knew it. Like, yeah. I just had a weird. I was like, he's about to say the Chiefs. Chiefs Your are, survivor season could be over on Thursday. Yeah. But <laughs> Which I'll would still, be hilarious. The best part is I'll still be in Vegas, so I can just buy in again. <laughs> ah, smart. Smart. You know? Smart. I like that. Yeah, that's a good strategy. I was going to do that last year. I was so confident the Bills were going to beat the Rams in opening night. And I was like, I'm just going to. I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy in for the survivor now, and if I lose, I'll buy in again. I end up chickening out and not doing that, but the Bills end up rolling the Rams. Um, but I just, I like the lines and all, but I don't think there's any chance to beat the chiefs in week one. Speaking of the AFC South, if you wanted to go a little bit game theory, although this might be popular too, and it's not a huge spread, but Jacksonville over the Colts, I know it's on the road, but like, do they lost to Indianapolis last year? They lost like 13 to six. I know, but I think that's deflating this line a little bit. Like, it should be higher. I also think people are... The reigning division champs who won a playoff game are playing one of the worst teams in the NFL last year who are going to start a rookie quarterback in week one are four-point favorites. I actually think there's enough... Is that a trap line? Yeah, I think there's enough sharp... It kind of looks like a trap line. Yeah, I think there's enough sharp betters who are optimistic on the Colts this year. Like, there's kind of differing opinions. There's a lot of people who are anti-Colts. Last year, the sharp betters didn't seem to have a great year. Like, we did a lot of pods throughout the year where it was like, sharp money's here, and, like, it didn't pan out. Yeah. Like, and and there were blind spot teams that specifically were, like, constant sharp plays where you'd keep getting burned week after week. Well, I think the best example of this was, like, Dallas went from like square money to sharp money. Like everyone, 
was like, yeah, Dallas, the, the people love them, right? They're, they're America's team, and they would look for ways to fade them. They're but always the public team. Yeah. They made money, and they yeah. made money. And Two like, years in a row, I think. Yeah, and like it was always sharp to bet against the Cowboys, but they kept they kept winning for backers. And you know, you know what? Another team on the opposite was that the Sharps hated the Giants last year. Like, no matter what they yeah. did, no matter how many games they kept winning, they just – I made a ton of money betting the Giants last year. Mm-hmm. Like, the market never came around on the Giants. Like, nope, it's a fluke, it's a fluke, it's a fluke. I made a lot of money on the Giants. They still think that. It's the, the, the Giants I'm and sure the Vikings. I'm sure they do. The, well, both I'm gonna teams. Make a ton of mo- I'm going to make a ton of money on the Vikings this year. <laughs> so you think. We'll see. Them um, opening as less than a touchdown favorite at home against Tampa Bay is criminal. I think Tim. I got Tampa Bay in that game. Oh, there we got it. Put it on the books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll talk about that. Actually, we'll talk about that in a few minutes because uh, we are about to shift gears in NFC South. Uh, my last point, um, I, I like Will Anderson to win defensive rookie of the year. It's super chalk. He's 4-1. Uh, to one. Um, Odds on favorite to win, but the other guys behind him are in non-premium positions. And, you know, um, these awards, typically, they're just going to look at the He's sacks. not odds on, right? He's, he's I don't a know. Favorite. I was told that odds on means that they are minus money. He's the favorite. You know, I, I think I said it right, but now your confidence I don't know. in what I, you're saying is making no, me feel I, differently. So one time I was writing an NFL piece and a former editor at a, at a different shop I worked at was like, they're not the odds on favorite. And I was like, what are you saying? And he's like, odds on favorite means uh, like, because otherwise you're just the favorite. In order to be the odds-on favorite, you have to be minus money in a field. You could be right. You could be right. Either like way. Like DeMar Hamlin is the odds-on favorite to win comeback player of the year. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I, I think I've tried to look this up, and no one has a definitive answer on what odds-on favorite means. Yeah. And I doubt we're going to get to that definitive answer in this podcast, so I'll just <laughs> reword what I said, and I'll take the favorite. Literally, I... I Googled it, and the first thing that pops up is, does odds-on favorite mean more than a 50% chance? Well, we know Google's <laughs> listening to you. Well, I mean, I literally Googled odds-on favorite meaning, so <laughs> didn't fill it in for me. Oh, okay. My bad. I misheard you. Um, all right. Well, let's start talking about the NFC South here, and I guess we're just going to start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at, at a default. I mean, they won the division because – Mostly everyone else lost the division. They won an eight and nine. Um, the other three teams in the AFC South were seven and ten. Um, I, I obviously expect um, um, a regression year for for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think um, I have them at five, eleven, and one. Actually, <laughs> I think they're going to tie the Saints in Week Four. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get Didn't there. You bet that. Uh, I don't think you can bet a tie right now. I think when, like when we get to that point, week four, they'll it's open an up option, a bunch of. Right? I think when like when they have game props, you can, but I don't think they have game props for that stuff listed now. We need three way lines in football. I, <laughs> do we? Do we? <laughs> I'm not sure, but um, what about? I actually don't hate that. Like, I, I think you can actually do that. I think you can do a three-way line where, like, if they're tied at the end of regulation, like, that's a tie. Yeah, and, like, game props. But, again, I don't think they have a week for game props 
listed right now. Right, right, right. I understand. Um, also, it's not like the value of that is going to change between no. now and then. It's not, no. it's not something that's going to take sharp money right now. No one else is searching high and low for a, uh, a tie. Uh, Box Saints tie line on August 16th for uh, two months from now. But, um,. So they're eight and nine last year. I think they're gonna go five, eleven, and one this year. And I think the downgrade from Brady to Baker is at least worth two and a half losses. Uh, they were, you think? Well, yeah, for sure. That's definitely not a hot take. Um, they were like crazy banged up last year on both offensive and defensive line. So if you look at their roster at Tampa Bay, outside of the quarterback position, it's actually pretty good. And the reason why I think they're going to tie with the New Orleans Saints or how I got there is like, what's the, like, Dennis Allen and Todd Bowles are pretty much the same guy. Actually, Todd Bowles is better than Dennis Allen, um, at least from a win-loss standpoint. But I I, I don't see them being a lot of differences in this roster. Obviously, New Orleans has a better quarterback, but um, I don't know. So I I do think that they're going to end up tying. But... um, I do like like Tampa Bay plus six and a half week one because again outside of the quarterback position I think this is a pretty talented team especially on defense. Um, Mike Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers. Todd Bowles is obviously in the hot seat. Baker Mayfield as a projected week one starter is terrible. Um, so I'm not putting any of my money on Baker Mayfield or Todd Bowles who I who I do like. He's just more of a defensive coordinator. But, again, I do like the roster enough to where I'm not going to really fade Tampa Bay. I expect them to go 5-11-1, which is um, definitely under their their uh, projected win total. But I don't think it's um, under by so much to where there's any value in that number. Um, I'm kind of stalling here so I can pull up their win total. It is 6.5 with the under minus 140. So the under... Five and a half is only plus one thirty. Yeah, I don't like we that a, enough. We need a signal between us where, like, if one of us needs to stall, you just like make a yeah do something, and so then I'll just start talking. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, I don't have a lot. Like, I mean, they're just not a super fun team. <laughs> like, I don't think they're all that interesting. Uh, the bloom is off the Baker Rose. Like, I think that, that game-winning drive with the Rams, like, that was cool. But, like, come on. He's he's done. Kyle Trask. Like, I, I don't know. I just, like, they're not a team that I'm going to want to watch. Like, last year I did this. I did these uh, watchability rankings every week. Is that going back this year? No. It's way too much work for way too little payoff. Um but, like, there were just some teams that pretty much always were going to finish near the bottom because, like, I just didn't want to watch them play football. And I think the Bucks are going to fall into that category this year, just like a team. I There's just almost nothing. Because even, like, you go, like, well, the Colts are going to be bad, right? But, like, I kind of want to watch Anthony Richardson a little bit, right? Like, that, yeah. there's there's something there to at least, There's you new, know, and it's always interesting to see new. Yeah, that, that exactly. And... You know, maybe they're going to be so bad that the like games are going to be like super high scoring, which could be fun. Like they're, I, I think Tampa Bay is, like their defense is still solid. Their offense is going to be shitty. Like they're just going to play in a lot of like crappy like fourteen ten games that just are not going to be fun. Yeah, that and that's that's kind of how I see Week One playing out. 
I think it's going to be like a. Except the Vikings are going to absolutely take a dump on their chest. But yeah, other than that. <laughs> it's going to be like a 24-21 win by the Vikings, I think, essentially. Um, but yeah, I, you know, you pretty much put a good uh, cap or uh, ending on, on my Tampa Bay analysis. I think their roster is good enough where there's a world where they win eight games. Uh, but I think the quarterback and coach combo is so bad that it's probably a five or six win team. So I don't feel strongly about either one of those to, 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 to bet the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but I do feel strongly about the Carolina Panthers who hired uh, Frank Reich this off season to be their new head coach after he, uh, I think he got a reprieve and he got a favor from the Indianapolis Colts getting fired by them. That guy had five different starting quarterbacks in five years for the Colts. And they made the playoffs at least twice. Obviously, once with Andrew Luck, uh, once with with uh, Philip Rivers, um, and you know he he's the, the the coaching staff he brought with him to um, to Carolina has been well regarded. I don't have any like specific names, but the sports betters or football handicappers that I hear like this coaching staff a lot. And I'm a big believer in Bryce Young. I think he's the best Alabama quarterback uh, prospect in the Nick Saban era. I think he's better than Tua. Uh, I would comp him to a more athletic Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Drew Brees. That would be a crazy take. Um, but he's allegedly a very quick learner, uh, processes stuff pretty fast. They named him the week one starter before training camp. Um, he showed the ability to evade pressure, extend plays, and run uh, run to throw. And... Frank Reich is a former NFL quarterback himself who's worked well with good quarterbacks. So I think uh, Bryce Young and, and Frank Reich are automatically the best coach-quarterback combo in the NFC South starting day one. I like their talent on defense between J.C. Horn, Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns, um, Derek Brown. They have a really easy schedule, sneaky good offensive line. I think Miles Sanders is a pretty good running back. Average five yards per rush in his career. Obviously, he was running behind a Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. Fantasy people are so split on Miles Sanders. Like He is one of the biggest debates in the nerdy fantasy community that I'm definitely a part of. Yeah, Um, what do you think about him? It's tough. It's tough because there are people who are firmly on team. He was only successful because he was in Philly, but he's really kind of average. There's an argument to be made that that's kind of who Joe Mixon is. Like, he's puts up numbers because he's in the Bengals offense, but Joe Mixon is like bad, like really inefficient, like really badly inefficient. But I think, th- I think 3.8 yards per rush last year, like not very yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, it, it gets the, – the, the fantasy stats get way deeper into things like than like that, man. You're, you're out of your element here. You're out of your element, Donnie. Um, no, I'm just saying Joe Mixon was terrible. <laughs> I'm backing you up. But he is. Like he's super inefficient. He doesn't catch as many of his targets as he should for a running. But like there's all kinds of stats that show that like Mixon is, is really inefficient. Um, but it also at some points doesn't matter because you play for the Bengals and he gets they for whatever reason have decided he's going to touch the ball 300 times. Um, yeah, I, I I thought it was funny when you said like, oh, maybe we'll disagree on the NFC South. But I already know we, we aren't going to because we both like the Carolina Panthers. We liked them last year and they burned us. Uh, again, the thought was like they just need slightly better quarterback play, which I thought they would get. And it didn't happen. 
but Bryce Young is definitely the best quarterback that has played for Carolina in several years. Uh, it kind of goes against what we're saying because we've kind of downgraded, you know, Richardson and Stroud a little bit, just at, at least out of the gate. Although I'm also a big CJ Stroud fan myself, and like rookies, I saw this this great stat the other day. You probably saw it too because I think we follow the same person. Um, but it was basically like percentage of games won by teams and then it broke down what year the quarterback was and it was like rookie teams with rookie quarterbacks win like 35 percent of games and then it's like second year went up to like 42 and like third year was the biggest jump that was like third year quarterbacks win like 56 percent of their games and then everyone else from three to ten was basically somewhere between 48 and 52 and then it jumped way up again for like 10 to 15 it's like the vet vets so it was either like you needed a quarterback in his third year or his 10th year. Those were – and but it was interesting to me that like how low the rookie number was, like 35% of starts mm-hmm. for teams with a rookie quarterback they lost. I mean they won, so 65% losing. And that's not great, but then you think about it and you're like, well, but what teams start a rookie quarterback? You'd have to have been probably bad the year before, and now you're basically starting over. But Carolina wasn't that bad last year, and they traded up to get Bryce Young. Like, they weren't the number one pick in the draft. They were ninth, and they traded up. They had a chance to win the division in, like, week 17. And we were still betting on it, if you remember. Also, (laughs) you said they burned us last year. They had a a six-and-a-half win total, and they went seven and ten. So they kind of came – I mean, they exceeded expectations. I think I just got on them on the wrong weeks, and so I was a little bitter. But I still am right back on the train. Like, I think their roster is pretty good. I love that they brought in Von Bell. Um, I think Chark and Thielen, like, giving a rookie quarterback – because, like, people get fall in love with this idea. Like, oh, rookie quarterback, rookie receivers. If anything, like, a rookie quarterback needs some veterans around him. Um, Thielen, Chark, Miles Sanders, you mentioned. Like, all veteran guys in the skill positions I actually think is a huge help for Bryce Young. I think having a ba- like a, a good solid backup quarterback is is helpful as well um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, like you talk about the mentorship, but Andy Dalton will take that job if he really struggles. So there's a bit of a fire under under Bryce Young as well. I like Carolina. I think they're going to win this division, and I don't see it as being. I mean, the Saints, I guess, would be the the favorite. I'm guessing. I don't even know, but I'll assume the Saints are the favorite because they have uh, Derek Carr. But I, I agree with the, everything you said. Yeah, this to win the the division. What conference? I think this is a. I think this is a ten win team. I really do. That's what I have them at ten and seven this uh, this year. They are the Saints are plus one twenty, the Falcons are plus two fifteen, Panthers are plus four hundred, and the Bucks are plus eight hundred. So not odds on favorite. Okay. <laughs> no, just the favorite. The Saints are. I think it's. We'll talk about it in a second. Maybe that's the next team up. I got to look at my little time code sheet. But the Falcons being plus two fifteen and the Carolina Panthers play, being plus four hundred, time will tell. But I just I look at that as wrong. Like I think I think that is actually wrong. Like, I I disagree with those odds uh, uh, heavily. Um, I think the Saints. I mean, the Saints are a you know a team that people expect to be good, and they brought in a veteran quarterback who is you know pretty good. I like Derek Carr, yeah, but like I do too. Dennis Allen is terrible, like terrible, and they are old on offensive line. They are old on defensive line, 
and there's a hope that you loved the Saints last year. I did. I did. Yeah. And so you're just off them this year. I'm just much more into the Panthers. I do think the Saints are second in this division. And I and between their schedule, we'll talk about this. Their schedule, the fact that Derek Carr is an upgrade over 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 Andy Dalton and and Jameis Winston. There is I drafted Michael Thomas in fantasy. There's a trap. I mean, if he's healthy, he's gonna play well, but he's almost never healthy. I could see where the the New Orleans Saints are good this year. I just if don't think it's gonna go that thing- way. If there's a such thing as a big week two game, and I'm generally on team, there isn't. But if there is, Saints-Panthers, Monday night football week two. I mean, it's the first of the doubleheader. Sneaky, good, important early season game. Yeah. You know, I I was going to make this take about they have Atlanta. They're playing at Atlanta in week one, Carolina. And you can make the same take um, for both venues. Well, actually, no, they're playing, they're hosting the Saints. But either way, I was going to say, Bryce Young has played bigger games in Mercedes-Benz Superdome than week one against the Atlanta Falcons. Like, he's, I don't think he's going to be rattled. Like, I think he's going to be ready to go. Um, I, oh, oh, you're finally on board with this take. Oh, yeah, we talked about it with Trevor Lawrence didn't last you, year. Yes, didn't you trash my take about uh, big college games? feel like you trashed my take about big college games i don't know i feel it feels like i trashed your take but i did like trevor lawrence we did go head to head in jaguars chargers i think you know what i think it was about the week 18 matchup between the titans and and the jaguars you were heavy on the jaguars and i was taking the points of the titans and your point was like trevor lawrence has played in much bigger games than that and like i poo-pooed it but then i think i came around the very next week anyways so um, hey, look, I, I'm not sitting here arguing that. No, I am. Like, playing in a national championship at Alabama is a far bigger game than week one at Atlanta Dude, in the NFL. Georgia versus Alabama SEC title game is much bigger than week one. At, at, I don't think at, it's at particularly close. No way. No way. No, they have, like, the president, like, coming out for that game and shit. You know what and- I mean? Like, 20 and more people watch that game like on TV there's 25 to 30 million viewers like they ain't getting 25 to 30 million for a one o'clock game on a Sunday afternoon yeah, like the media requirements like a, are a lot a are a lot bigger game. of a deal huge yeah. huge and Bryce Young played in a ton of big games so I, I think that actually helps too it's kind of why I tend to favor CJ Stroud a little bit more not a little bit more a lot more than Anthony Richardson Especially early. Like, Anthony Richardson didn't play in any big college games. Yeah. Well, we didn't even really talk about C.J. Stroud that much when we were talking about the Texans. I think he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. I say that, but, like, I've thought that about several Ohio State quarterbacks in the last, I don't know, 20 years, and I've been wrong about pretty much every one of them. There is that. Um, But then again— guys do tend to suck. Same same point I made about Will Anderson. I can say about C.J. Stroud. If you look at his like resume, there's no fat on it. I mean, he had like 80 touchdowns to to less than 20 interceptions in two years. He he played in massive games and he showed up in massive games. So um, I, I'm high on Bryce Young and I'm high on C.J. Stroud and um, getting onto my best bet for for. Also, have we learned nothing from like these guys like a Trey Lance type who? played one season in college you're talking about anthony richardson Richardson. yeah yeah Yeah, like he didn't really play in college no 
I think they're I I and and they're hyping him up way too much. Like I see way too much shit coming across my feed all day. That's like, oh, Anthony Richardson, look at this play. And I'm like, it's like the movie that that's getting a little bit too much pub. We're like, that movie's gonna suck. Like, there's no doubt. I I think the comp to him and what people are trying to talk themselves into Richardson being is Cam Newton. The only thing is Cam Newton was an absolute animal his senior year in in, in college, like. An animal. They won. I mean, the won the national championship. If you look at Richardson's, Richardson's numbers, they weren't impressive. Like it's all no, raw a, talent. Not, it's, it's all raw talent. Which was Trey Lance, by the way. Yeah. Not saying they're the same, but no. I think he's. Man, am I going to say this? I think he's more Trey Lance than Cam Newton. Oh, I absolutely agree. And even like, even if his ceiling is Cam Newton, when you're like, oh, his ceiling is Cam Newton, it's like Cam Newton had like two or three good years in the NFL, like one fantastic year. But like, is that, I guess like, is that the career you want? Is that good enough? The ceiling. If I told you if as a giants fan, let's just say you guys let Danny Jones walk. And I was like, you know, you had the first pick in the draft. And I was like, you can draft essentially cam Newton. Are you saying yes to that? I'm kind of a cam Newton Stan. I mean, I mean, look, he they played had, in a Super Bowl. He played in an MVP. He, he had an MVP. He did. He won Rookie of the Year. He had an MVP, and he had three double-digit win seasons in the NFL. Yeah, he like led the NFL in but rushing nev- touchdowns for like six years. But never, but never strung them together. It was like good year, bad year, good yep. year, bad year, good year. Like again, like that's what you're getting inconsistent. <laughs> but like when the ceiling hits, it hits hard, but it it ain't lasting for ten years. But I'm 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 a Giants fan. If I mean, if I'm gonna be real about Eli Manning's career, it's kind of like that too, or it was like kind of hit or miss. And but he was around for a long time. Right, right. I, I love Eli Manning. Love Eli Manning. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh, you'll love I, this. I was gonna I like make this. the case that. Go ahead. I was hoping Patrick Cantlay won that uh, won the tournament last week. I was going to write an article that was titled "Is Patrick Cantlay the PGA Tour's Eli Manning?" <laughs> yeah, he's going like, for his hardly third ever shows BMW. up. Like hardly ever shows up in the regular season, but man, is he the guy you want when the playoffs start? Yeah, dude. I I hate Patrick Cantlay so much. I don't even want to talk about him right now. Um, all right, so my best bet for the Carolina Panthers this year was is is Bryce Young to win offensive rookie of the year just because I think there's a world it's it's five to one. Panthers to win the division are four to one. I think there's a world where Bryce Young wins rookie of the year and the Panthers don't win the division. Whereas there's no world where the opposite is true. Right? Right. So I mean I like Andy Dalton too if that's your go <laughs> unless with it. Andy yeah, unless Andy Dalton comes in or something. I just I just think the Saints, you know, let's talk about the Saints now. The Saints the Saints schedule is so effing easy, dude. And they do have good players. They they do. That I I, I like I think Bryce Young is going to have to look like a franchise quarterback from day one for, for the Panthers to win this division. So that's why I'm going back to that. He has to win rookie or him winning rookie of the year is my favorite look um, in this division or for, for the Carolina Panthers. But um, similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I have no season long futures on the saints. I I think they're going to go eight, eight and one. 
They're going to finish second in the South. I was high on them last year. Uh, Dennis Allen really soured me. He was dead last in plus EV game decisions, according to runningbacksdon'tmatter.com. He's got a career record or winning percentage of 28%. Um, the, the Saints lost a lot of front seven depth. They lost this linebacker, Caden Ellis, who's really good, David Onimata, uh, Shai Tuttle, Marcus Davenport. Those defensive linemen by themselves aren't that good, but it's just a lot of depth to lose, um, and especially that was like one of the strong parts of their of their team last year um, or over recent seasons. And they have the easiest strength to schedule. They have they have like a great net rest edge. They're favored in fourteen games. I think they play. I heard something like they play like thirteen of their seventeen games are in domes, which is like perfect for Derek Carr, right? Um. And they have a bunch of regression factors, in this case, progression factors in favor. Uh, you know, they had terrible turnover luck, horrible fourth quarter luck, horrible fumble recovery luck. They were really banged up. They had bad field goal luck. So there is a world where all those things flip to the positive. They have strong offensive pieces if they stay healthy. I like Jamal Williams. Alvin Kamara is obviously a beast. Chris Olave is a wide receiver I think is going to be very good in the NFL. Michael Thomas could be an elite wide receiver if he stays healthy. Probably not. And, like, just, I don't know. I, I think the pendulum has swung back for Taysom Hill, but he's good. Like, I think he had 10 touchdowns last year. Like, dude makes plays out there. I like Taysom Hill out there. So, there's a world where the Saints win double-digit games, and they're the team that I thought they were last year. Um, but I'm just – Simply put, I, I can't bet money on Dennis Allen. I'm, I'm not going to. So that's pretty much my Saints analysis. Where do you disagree or where do you agree? I think they're the second best team in the division. And that's pretty much where I'm at. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I, I don't I, yeah, I don't you don't have to say anything. We're going on an hour here. We can move along. If I, if I, I covered it, we're in agreement. I don't have a ton on them or the Falcons, so I pretty much shot my wad on everything else we talked about. I wanted to talk about the Panthers for sure because I'm back on them this year in case anyone was wondering. I know the listeners were very curious about where I was going to land on them, so I want to make sure I got that out there. Um, yeah, like I said, I think they're better than the Falcons and the Bucks, clearly, but I think the Panthers win the division. So at the Saints is like a – eight win team probably okay um i'm pretty ice cold on the falcons this year i don't really see it um i thought the Bijan robinson pick was a luxury pick that they didn't have any business making and i'm like a Agreed. running back truther <laughs> like Agreed. i'm i'm more pro running back than really any any nfl and podcast it's so you listen to it's so annoying too because like I wanted Bijan Robinson, who I love, by the way, as like a prospect in general. Everyone does. And I, 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 yeah, he's legitimately elite. Um, I hate that he went to the fucking Falcons. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm mad about it. They didn't need him. No, I really wanted him to fall. Like I, I wanted Detroit to take Bijan Robinson. That's what I wanted to have happen. Okay. And I think they, I think they would have taken him. Yeah, 
I know they were pumped about Jameer Gibbs, but no one had Jameer Gibbs better than B. John Robinson. So I think they would have been even more pumped to B. John Robinson fell to them. I'm actually a little bit surprised they didn't try to trade up rather than just settle for Gibbs if they were dead set on taking a running back. You were you you agreed with me that it was reckless that they picked Gibbs. Trading up for a running back wouldn't have been even more reckless. That'd been kind of crazy. Totally agree, but at the same time, if you're dead set that this is what you're gonna do, why not get the guy who's definitely the guy over the guy who's probably the guy? Fair enough. I guess is what I'm saying. Um yeah, I, I've heard a bunch of sharp quality NFL minds buy stock in the, in the in the Atlanta Falcons, and I just don't see it. I mean, they all say, well, you know, Desmond Ritter obviously has to get better. I don't, I don't think he put anything on tape that would that it does. He didn't put anything on tape that makes me confident to get better. He had a fifty-five point nine PFF grade last year, which would have been thirty-fourth out of forty quarterbacks. He threw two touchdowns. Granted, no interceptions in, in four games. Only averaged 17 points per game in his four starts. Their defense was terrible. They got seven new starters this season. Um, and it's going to, they, they, they got a new defensive coordinator, but like they were 29th in EPA allowed. And they played Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, PJ Walker, Taylor Heineke, Tyler Huntley, David Blau, and two Tampa Bay backups in week 18. And they were 29th in EPA. Like those those new starters they got better be I mean fantastic. they overhauled that defense. I do love the Jesse Bates signing and you knew I would say that. I just have to throw that out there. I like the Bud Dupree signing too actually. Um yeah, I don't I I'm, Jesse Bates is phenomenal. Uh, I, you're not going to hear me say anything bad about Jesse Bates. But like Jeff Akuda alongside AJ Terrell. AJ Terrell is a beast. Jeff Akuda was highly drafted, but he's never been good at football. <laughs> like we've never seen him play well, you know? I'm not giving up on Akuda yet. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just saying if these guys turned out to be bad, it wouldn't be surprising. He's like turning me into a like now all of a sudden I want to be on the Falcons. You want to put your money with Desmond Ritter? No, I don't. I never did, but at the same time, it's like... Uh, I don't know. I think their defense is going to be better. I just... Yeah, I just hate Desmond Ritter so much. Like, I think the strongest argument, obviously, outside of the... um, Outside of the, the defensive investment, I think the strongest argument is just they play in a weak AFC, NFC South. But their alternate win total for it's it's eight and a half as a regular win total with juice on the over so like the market thinks the falcons have a better chance of going above 500 than below 500 but under six and a half wins is plus 310 plus 310 i i mean last year what were they they were uh, they were seven and ten i think they could be worse this year like as a matter of fact they had again. They had seven wins last year, and they probably should have had five, right? If you take away that DJ Moore um, play where he th- took off his helmet and cost the, the Carolina Panthers like a game-winning easy extra point, they lose that's that game. And Tampa Bay pulled all their starters in Week 18, and that's why Atlanta won that game. So they 
really should have been like five and twelve. I don't know. Like I, I don't see how they got four wins better. Well, and technically two wins better. I, I don't, I don't believe that they did. So this is a team that I'm looking to fade early and often. I'm going to take the Panthers week one, um, plus three at the at the Falcons in some way or way shape or form. I'm not sure if it's going to be one of my circa picks, but. Um, I, I am betting alternate six and uh, under six and a half alternate wins for the Man- Atlanta Falcons at plus three ten. That's my favorite bet for this team. So that's what I'm on. All right, we did good work here. Um, As always. Next week is the last, last one, right? The last divisional preview. Then we'll I don't yes. know. I guess we'll talk about season awards. Talk about who we're gonna. Who we like to make the playoffs officially. We like to win the Super Bowl, and then the following week will be our Week One uh, breakdown. It's here. It's almost, it's almost here. Don't say it's here. It's not here. It's not. Yeah, a lot can happen between here. now and the start of football season. I but. still got to go through my. Uh, I I think it's interesting. You guys drafted so early, and I like that. And what I've learned in my years of playing fantasy football is that the earlier you draft, the more likely that a better fantasy player will win. Okay, cool. Uh, the reason why we drafted early is, you know, because I have a bunch of like fathers and then husbands in my fantasy league that had other shit going on for the rest of the summer. And this was like the best week we can do it. And we also like get together and have like a kegger and like a, yeah, no, a I get bender. It. So, but it was also the later you draft, the the more. So essentially, the key is, and not to get too nerdy on you, but basically what it, what it boils down to is, the more information that's available, the more even the playing field becomes. So, essentially, the earlier you draft before like preseason and like the guys who really pay attention can kind of forecast things a lot better than the casuals because. My big money league, and I hate that it's like this, but you know it is. It's a ca- like at the same time, it's big money, but it's still casual fans, right? It's not like hardcore fantasy players. And the draft is literally the day before the season starts, like the Wednesday night before the Thursday game. And by that point, like everything is settled. You know yeah. who the starting running backs are. Like we know who won their position battles. Like everyone has that information, especially in today's day and age like with the internet right like everyone has access to the information and it requires a lot less sort of projecting out yeah you had to make a lot of picks based on like not knowing a lot of things yeah we drafted before zeke or dalvin cook got signed jonathan taylor still up in the air like we don't know what Mm -hmm. that's gonna look like um what uh i think we a lot of that stuff we uh, drafted like before are, Anthony Richardson got officially named the starter. Yeah, like I mean that a little more obvious one. But yeah, but but like you just like those are good examples of things that were like you know you probably could have looked at him and like well the Jets are probably going to sign Dalvin Cook, and the fact that they're even like sniffing around might tell you a little bit about Brees Hall and where they sit with him, you know. But <clears throat> those are decisions you got to make and kind of again you got to try to project a little earlier. Whereas, like I said, all that stuff's going to be settled by the time, you know, Wednesday rolls around before the season starts. But that's fine. Whatever. I'm also comfortable oh. drafting early because, as we talked about, I think, last week or somewhat recently, I really put no stock in preseason or um, training camp because a lot of the news and the coverage is just biased. Like, 
beat writers are gonna talk well, that's up the teams to, and, and and that's where you of, can try that's where you can get a little bit of an advantage in those leagues where you're playing with casual people after the preseason because they will buy into that stuff and you got to kind of look for those spots. Do you play but in that's auction more, leagues? Um, I don't. I have, and I used to <clears throat> be in a pretty serious baseball. I like it better for baseball personally. Okay. I don't know something about the, the snake draft. I think, you know, maybe it's just me not wanting to change being kind of a dinosaur because i've been playing fantasy football a long time um for a guy who's in his early 30s i've been playing fantasy football for competitively for 20 years so i I've, I've been playing since like uh my introduction to fantasy football was like my dad used to run a league at work and this was pre-internet we would have to and i would i started doing it by those big ass magazines no, what I mean is like every week we'd have to score them by hand. Like you'd have to take oh. the Monday morning newspaper and you'd have to go through every box score and, you know, you'd have to log what every player did. And it was, that yeah. was kind of my intro to like, really. So yeah, I, I go back a long ways and it's just always been snake draft. And I think part of me is kind of into that same thing. Like but baseball, I don't know. The auction felt more right with baseball, but I don't know. All right. Well, I like the idea of the auction league, though. I do too. I think because I think snake draft gives casuals more of a uh, a chance because it's oh just, totally it's as simple as like, well, what is what's the ADP for this? This you know, you have like a range of of players that should be picked at or that are typically picked in that position. I'll say this though, I think what a lot of people miss and I, I was considering writing like a fantasy football primer not like players i like and don't like because i think you know everyone's doing that i don't care about that but just general thoughts is i think the draft is really overrated in fantasy football i think people do not understand like i went back and looked at my lineup last year in my big money league and was like of the you know i don't know nine starters in my playoff lineup i drafted two of them yeah, that's like it's I think you're right because you that's probably my biggest weakness. Yeah, I think the waiver wire, I'm not very good on it. That's why I won't play like traditional waivers. It has to be the the auction waivers. I, I like Where literally you get fab refuse. or whatever it's called. Yeah, I literally refuse at this point to play traditional waivers. I think that's just so stupid. Yeah, we my my I guess big money league not as big as yours. We do we do fab or auction waivers. So. You have you have to. Yeah, but. Good stuff. Next week, we'll be talking about the AFC and the NFC East again. Um, then we'll close out our NFL 2023 preview series the following week with official picks to win each division, make the playoffs, and Super Bowl season awards, stuff like that. So holler at us um, on Twitter or x.com, whatever. I'm at Jeffrey underscore Clark here at Real Dan Zach. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.